Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to seek God's presence and serve God's people. Now, let's get to the message. If you're standing up, stay standing. I want you to grab your Bible real quick. Stay standing. Uh, you're in Mark chapter 5 already, and we're going to read verses 20, uh, t- sorry, 31. No, we're not. The wind of the Holy Ghost just took my page over to the, we're going we're gonna to go with 21 all the way to 34. Okay, you ready? Okay, and when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. And then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. Everybody say the religious. And seeing him, he fell at his feet. Everybody say desperation. And implored him earnestly, that is passionately. Everybody say desperation. Saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with them. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And she had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments... I will be made well. Somebody say desperation. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus perceiving in himself that power, that's the word virtue, that's the word dunamis, power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and he said, who touched my garments? Do you really think that Jesus didn't know who it was that had touched him? But we've been learning over the past couple of weeks, any time that Jesus works a miracle, he also engages in teaching. Discipleship, training, because supernatural miracles become tutors in our lives, helping us to elevate our expectations as to what we now know is possible with God. So when I see a miracle, I don't have any more excuses not to believe that God can work that miracle in my future. I've seen God heal cancer before. God heals cancer, and I now know that. I've seen God heal leukemia before. I've seen God heal brain tumors before. I've seen God cause the mute to sing. I've seen God cause the deaf to hear. I've seen God cause the lame person to take up their mat and begin to dance. I now know God does all these things. God is good. Who touched me? He's about to teach a little bit. And he looked around and he, and he, uh, to see who had done it. Uh, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, she came in fear and trembling and fell down before him. Everybody say desperation. And told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed, signed, sealed, delivered. Closed case, be healed for good from your disease. It ain't going to come back. Be healed of your disease. Go in peace. So the title of my non-sermonizing talk today 
my story is simply this. Desperate times call for desperate measures. We've prayed a lot, but we'll pray one more time. Lord, we thank you for your word that's everlasting, never changes, never fades away. Lord, we thank you that even though heaven and earth may pass away, your word will stand forever. So we build a house upon the rock that is your word today. We build our house upon Jesus that is the living word today. And we say thank you for all of the breakthrough that you've provided. We expect more. We expect more. You're the God that keeps on giving. You're the God of infinity. You're the God of infinity and beyond. Thank you, Jesus. We expect more. (laughs) In Jesus' name. Everybody said Amen. amen and amen. You can be seated. (laughs) Oh, y'all thought we came to play. It's time to go to work. If we haven't done enough already, we could close and wrap right now. We've already had church. But since y'all stayed waiting in line all the way down the hill to have church today in the parking lot, might as well dig into the Word just a little bit. Can y'all give me 20 minutes? Can y'all give me 20 minutes? Listen, if you RSVP'd and did not come, it is your guilt offering. (laughs) Man, the older I get, the more I just... I might as well get me some khaki shorts and some white tube socks to preach in. I'm going to put me some new balances on and preach the gospel. I'm telling you, I'm feeling like a father. You know how... You know how dads stand when they look at the grass? Yep, I did that. I don't do that. Don't say that. Don't say that. Okay, so this story, really, church, is all about the woman with the issue of blood being healed because we've been in this sermon series called By Any Means Necessary, Get People to Jesus. When you're desperate, The only thing that will work for you is Jesus. That's the truth. When you're desperate and you've looked everywhere for help, the only person that can help you is Jesus. That's the truth. We see the woman with the issue of blood as well as this religious guy named Jairus, they both become desperate and they've run out of answers, so they're going to Jesus. And I thought it was important to start with Jairus because it provides a little context. And you know what? Honestly, I'd just like to lighten the load on the religious folks. Because for the past three weeks, I have been going in on religious people. I don't know if you guys recall the last several sermons, but we have really punched religious people like right in the nose. You know what I mean? Like, do you guys remember? Like last week, we talked about the scribes and we talked about the Pharisees and we talked about that gang of religious devils that tried to trap Jesus between uh, the Mosaic law and the Roman law so they could stone a woman caught in adultery and they could stone him simultaneously, right? Let's just boo those people. Boo, terrible religious devils, right? And then the week before, we talked about the religious uh, scribes and the Pharisees that were arguing and fighting and mocking the disciples of Jesus because of their inability to cast a demon out of a boy. Do you guys remember that, right? It's interesting that the demon caused the boy to become mute 
and that's always the case when you have demonic activity happening around you is it tries to silence you, but what faith does is when faith shows up, faith speaks. It releases the tongue. It releases the prophetic anointing. It inspires you in their spirit to prophesy. Demons always try to shut you up. God always opens you up. Demons say, you better be quiet. God said, you better speak up. So if you're wondering if it's God for you to witness to somebody and share the gospel and share your testimony so that by any means necessary, you can get them to Jesus, the devil ain't never gonna inspire you to prophesy or testify or preach the gospel. It's always the Holy Spirit. So if you're confused, should I share the gospel? Yes. It's the will of God. Somebody said amen. amen. And then the week before that, we, we also, we got after some other religious devils on that day, and we talked about the scribes and the Pharisees that were angry because Jesus forgave the sins of the helpless man that was lowered through the roof, and they, roof, 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 roof. It's a roof. Okay, so this, I'm from Kentucky. My wife says, you don't say roof, right? No one knows what you're saying. The ceiling. They lowered the guy through the ceiling. And Jesus, and, and Jesus forgave his sins and he healed him. And they said, this guy is a, you know, he's a heretic, right? And, and so they tried to trap Jesus in his own home and, and to label him a, a heretic. And what's interesting is that the Bible tells us that Jairus is actually one of these same type religious leaders because he is the ruler, which basically means he is the senior pastor of a local church of a synagogue. All right, so he very well may have been a part of the He-Man Jesus Haters Club up until this point, you know what I mean? Like, let's just talk bad about Jesus, let's try to trap Jesus, let's try to come against Jesus. Jairus could have been in that group. And, and, and you might have been thinking over the past couple of weeks, like how in the world could somebody that steeped in religious evil get set free and come to the person of God in Christ Jesus? Here's how. Desperation. Desperation. Because I, I, I mean, I don't know if we have any parents in the room. I'm sure there's a few at least. But if your child was on the verge of death, I'd have to think that you would be willing to do anything to see them healed and get out of that bed. Jairus said, I am willing to sacrifice my ministry, I'm willing to sacrifice my reputation. I'm willing to sacrifice my influence. I'm willing to sacrifice my friend group. I'm willing to sacrifice the opinions of people. I don't care if you cancel me. By any means necessary, I've gotta get to Jesus. I don't care who rejects me by any means necessary, I gotta get to Jesus because my daughter is about to die and I'm feeling desperate and I need somebody to help me or else she's gonna die. I don't know who in the room today is in a posture of desperation, but I'll tell you, I always hate the posture of desperation. I never vote for desperation. I don't know about you. I never, I'm like, God, please put me in a position of desperation. Because usually, remember the title of the message, Desperate Times Call for Desperate Measures? Usually when I'm in a position of desperation, I did not want to go there. Life put me there. Life always arranges for your own Good Friday. And I'm like, oh, I don't wanna be here. I wanna be hashtag blessed, hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? But like, every now and then you'll be in this space, you're like, I, I do not know what to do. I gotta go to Jesus. 
And, and those are the moments that we get delivered from religion. Those are the moments that we get delivered from the traditions of men. Those are the moments that we get delivered from the opinions of people. Because all of a sudden, we no longer care who judges us when we worship like a wild man. I don't care what you think. I'm desperate. Listen, my pastor taught me that a hungry man has no manners. I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. Y'all didn't grow up like me, I can tell. Yeah, that's it. I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. That's it, that's it. I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what you blog about me. I don't care what you tweet about me. I don't care what you talk about me, how you talk about me when you get in the car to go home. I, I am desperate. And that was the position that Jairus was in, which is why Jairus had so much urgency. He's the first character in the story that we see that is completely desperate. And so Jesus says, I'm gonna go with you, which by the way, Jesus does heal his daughter. If you haven't read that far into into, uh, into scripture yet. He says, he, he takes her by the hand. He says, Talita kumi, which is Aramaic for my little lamb, arise. How powerful is that? It was so powerful, in fact, that the writer had to leave it in the original language. Talita kumi. That's how Jesus speaks to your desperation. My little lamb, arise. Even when you don't have any faith left, because you're dead in your desperation, Jesus just stoops over. I think somebody's going to hear the Holy Spirit speak into your soul this morning. Arise, my little lamb. <laughs> Jesus is a good shepherd. <laughs> So Jairus is like, Jesus, we're going to have to go, man. Like, I don't know if you are aware or not, but like my little girl is on her last breath. I don't think she's going to make it through the night. Like hospice has come in. Like we've already hired the professional mourners to begin to weep when she takes her last breath. We got to get you there fast, man. By any means necessary, you got to come with me. And so Jairus probably has Jesus by the robe, and he's like, look, I know all these other people, they've heard about you, but I need you most right now. So you're going to have to come with me, and we need to do it pronto. My little girl's about to die. If you are a dad in here, you know what I'm talking about. Scholars believe the little girl was like the age of 12, so she was almost a teenager, but I don't care how old your, your daughter gets to a father. That's still your little lamb. You're going you gonna to you have to get there, Jesus. And then people are touching them and grabbing them and saying, Rabbi, uh, uh, teacher, uh, Jesus, uh, Messiah, I sp stop, uh, speak a little word to us. Share something. Tell us about the kingdom of God. Give us some principles. Show us a sign. And Jesus is on his way with Jairus, you know. Despite the fact that Jesus consistently rebukes the religious, the religious are not beneath them. Just because Jesus has rebuked you in the past, just because God's word has illuminated your sin to you does not mean that Jesus will leave you in it. No matter how bad you are, Jesus will still walk with you. Yep, I'm gonna go bless you. I'm gonna bless your house. You've built a ministry on de denying the Messiah, but I'm gonna bless your house, come on. So he's walking. 
Hey, you know, come on, Jesus, we got to get to my girl. And then all of a sudden, there's this woman. She, she now enters the story. There's another character in the story. And we don't get her name. We don't know where she's from. We don't know if she's a sinner. We don't know if she's righteous. But we do know this. She's desperate. She's desperate. And that's because she has been diseased with an issue of blood for over a decade. It has been 12 years, and the woman has been bleeding from her womb. Now, whenever I uh, read stories like this in the Bible, I always go to WebMD. You never want to do that when you're sick, by the way. But for the sake of biblical research, you go to WebMD. Because, like, you got a sniffle, you go to WebMD, they're like, you're going to die. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like everything is, you're on your way to die. <laughs> but I, I went to WebMD, and I, so I was like, what would cause a woman to bleed for 12 years? And, and I actually have some options here uh, from WebMD. Uh, it could be the result of childbearing. You know, she had a baby, never stopped bleeding. Could be the result of polyps on her uterus. It could be the result of thyroid issues. It could be the result of an infection in the cervix. And it could also be the result of cancer. Okay, so here's why I read that list. Because if you're in here today or you're watching online and you've been bleeding, you have problems since childbearing, you have polyps on your uterus, you have any thyroid issues happening in your body, you have any infections in your cervix, or you even have cancer, Jesus can heal you, and he wants to. See, the miracle stands alone as a tutor. We now know that Jesus can heal all of these issues. Doesn't matter the symptom, the Messiah can heal you. She's been looking for help. She's desperate. She's gone to Jesus. She tried doctors. The Bible tells us that doctors have not helped her. They've only hurt her. And in the process, she's been hit with so many medical bills, she's now broke. If you are the victim of some type of medical malpractice or you have been misdiagnosed and you were mistreated, listen, Jesus can heal you and he wants to. If you've spent all of your money trying to take care of yourself but you still, not have, you still have not figured out the problem, Jesus wants to heal you and he can heal you. So, see, the miracles are tutors. And this woman, she's desperate because she's deteriorating. Like her condition is worsening every single day. And not only is she sick, church, not only has she been sick for a very long time, but here's what makes it even worse. She is Levitically, according to the law, unclean. Right? Now, this is even worse than being sick, I think, because in Leviticus chapter 15, this is what it has to say about unclean women. If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, not at the time of her menstrual impurity, or if she has a discharge beyond the time of her impurity, all the days of the discharge, she shall continue in uncleanness. As in the days of her impur impurity, she shall be unclean. Every bed on which she lies all the days of her discharge shall be to her as the bed of her impurity. That is unclean. Everything on which she sits shall be unclean, as in the uncleanness of her menstrual impurity, and whoever touches these things shall be unclean. Then they need to go wash their clothes. You need to go take a bath in water, and then you will be unclean until the evening. You have to understand that the woman is not only sick, but she's also, according to the law, classified in a people group, which is called unclean, which means she is a societal outcast. 
She's a reject in the culture, right? So if her, let's say her name was Jane Doe, all right? People didn't say like, oh, here's Jane. They say, unclean Jane. See, her condition had become her identity. And I don't know, I don't know who I'm talking to in here, but I just, I, I have to believe that maybe the Holy Spirit led somebody online in here. And like your, your identity is now informed by your circumstance. Oh, that's who I am. That's my lot in life. I'm always going to be sick. I've, I've always been sick, always going to be sick. I've always been a reject, always going to be a reject. Nobody's ever accepted me. Nobody ever will accept me. I'm not accepted. I'm, I'm not the, the, the victor. I, 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 I'm the victim, and that's all that's ever going to be for me. That's just the cards. That's the hand I was dealt. Right? Who am I talking to? Because I believe that for some of us, we've stayed stuck for so long in our circumstance that we've now allowed it to inform our identity. That's just who I am. I'm unclean Jane. Jane we're going to use Jane Doe and, and John Doe. Well, I'm unclean Jane. Well, I'm, I'm sex addict Jane. I'm drug addict John. I'm porn addict John. That's just who I am. I'm, I'm beat my kids, John. I'm angry, John. I'm cheater, John. Are you with me? Man, I'm, I'm, I'm tramp, Jane. I'm drunken, Jane. I'm loose, Jane. That's just who I am. The way I was raised, the way I'm always going to be. See, Jesus is not just in the business of healing you and all of your conditions, but he's also in the business of uprooting your identity from your circumstance and restoring you into his kingdom and into a family to say, this is who you are. You're not addict Jane, you're Jane Jesus. If anybody's in Christ, they're a new creation, and they get a new name. Whose name is it? It's Jesus's. No longer are you drunken John. You're John Jesus. No longer are you sex addict John. You're John Jesus. Salvation is holistic. Unclean people, let me just go a little bit deeper. Unclean people, according to the law, could not touch anything holy, which is why it was actually illegal for the woman to touch Jesus. Couldn't touch anything holy. They were cut off from God's presence in the Levitical law. They could not even enter the sanctuary. That means they could not go to church. They couldn't bring financial offerings to God. They were not allowed to give a gift. They couldn't tithe. They couldn't give offerings to God. They had to stay outside of the camp of community, which means they were completely cut off from God's people. They could not enter into God's presence, and they couldn't fellowship with God's people. Our mission statement here is, God's presence and God's people. That means that someone that was unclean could not fellowship in our church because they were ceremonially according to the church and they were Levitically according to the law an outcast. Stay away. Don't let her sit on your furniture because you have to burn your furniture. Don't let her come into your house because then your house is gonna be unclean. Don't share a meal with the woman because then your plates are gonna be unclean. You're gonna have to get rid of them. See, there was, there was not just the condition, there was also the stigma. There was also, there was also the identity. There was also the uh, reputation, which 
had to be so shameful and Every time that she tried to go to the doctor and built up some hope and said, you know what, this is going to be the doctor. I've changed physicians five times. They'll finally be able to diagnose this correctly and get me the right medicine. And yet every single failure just continued to debilitate her hope until she finally was positioned in a place of desperation that said, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen to me if I try to touch this holy God. I don't know what the religious people are going to do to me if they figure out that I'm not living outside of the camp but I'm going to have to get to Jesus by any means necessary. So she comes up and she watches Jairus. Okay, I see Jairus has got him. She go, I can't go to his church, but he's got, he's got Jesus. If he'll, he'll notice me because I, I looked for help before. He might, he might recognize me a little bit from, you know, the courts, but I, I got to see if I can get to Jesus. And so she just, you know, maybe comes in secret, maybe covers her head up a little bit, and then she moves in step with the crowd. Oh, yeah, 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 big crowd. Jesus, Jesus, people touch Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, this seems to be my moment. Bends down. Think about all the moving legs. Doesn't, doesn't cling to his ankle, doesn't, doesn't grab hold of his calf. No, just touches. Just the fringe of his garment, just a little tiny piece of his clothing. I, I don't, so, so like an Orthodox Jew, which Jesus was, by the way, they wear this garment, and uh, it's kind of got a funny name. I don't remember it, but it's got a hole in it, and they wear it over top, and then they got these, uh, you know, corners of the garment, and there's little tassels that are hanging off the garment. You guys ever seen one of those before? So like an Orthodox Jew would wear that under every outfit, right? That's what the woman grabbed hold of. You know what they call those corners? Wings. I don't know if you remember this, but in Malachi, the prophet said, healing shall flow from his wings. So the woman said, man, if I could just, if I can just get hold of that wing right there. I'm desperate. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, then I'll be healed. Woo, look at that faith. He don't need to come to my house. He don't, need to, he don't need to go to my tent. He don't need to speak a word to me. He doesn't need to acknowledge me. He doesn't need to recognize me. He doesn't need to lay hands on me. He doesn't need to pray for me. He doesn't need to, need to dispatch an angel on my behalf. If I can just get to the point where I just, just touch just a little bit of Jesus, it'll be enough. My 12-year-old condition will have to go. All of my rejection will have to go. All of my shame will have to fall off. My identity will be, I just, if I can just get just, that's desperation. I don't know who I'm preaching to in here, but I just bet there's at least a handful of people who are like, yeah, I'm, I'm right there, Pastor. I can't, I can't do another year. I can't go another season. My position is desperation, and unless I touch Jesus, I don't think I'm gonna make it. And if that's you in here, I want you to know Jesus has power for you. Jesus has got virtue for you. Desperation grabs hold of Jesus, and it doesn't let go. Until he blesses you. So she ends up, you know, she grabs a hold of the, she grabs a hold of the tassel. She's like, got the tassel. And then what does the Bible say? It says, immediately. Not tomorrow. Some, there's some instances in the Bible where you'll see where people are healed the next day or a little bit later. But in this instance, immediately. The woman was healed. The blood dried up. And the Bible says she felt in her body that she was restored. What does that mean? That means strength came back. 
Not only did the blood stop flowing, but also I can tell that I have been empowered and I have been made whole. Perhaps the color came back to her cheeks. Perhaps, you know, her iron count immediately went up. I don't know what happened. Perhaps she felt clear in her head, no more confusion because she wasn't constantly bleeding and weak and fatigued. Perhaps she felt energy for the first time in 12 years. This is who I am. This is who I'm supposed to be. I'm back, baby. I touched Jesus. I'm back. <laughs> Some of you have forgotten what it feels like to feel good. So you're doing everything within your own strength to kind of feel good, whether it's staring into the bottom of a bottle, whether it's shaking that pill bottle after the kids go to bed where no, nobody can know that you're doing it. Some of us have forgotten what it feels like to feel good, and so we're looking for it in other things. But can I tell you, just grab hold of the fringe. Jesus is walking by. Listen, you ain't even got to try to steal healing from him because he freely gives it to you. You can't steal what you've already received for free. Woman grabbed a hold of it. I'm out of time now, but I'll, I'll finish real quick. Woman grabbed a hold of it, and Jesus said, who touched me? And what happened? The disciples were like, Jesus, come on, man. You're literally surrounded by a bunch of people. Jairus is trying to move you on. Like, come on, man. I'm desperate. Like, we got to hurry up. My daughter's about to die. And you got all these other dudes. They're touching you. They're trying to grab hold, trying to get you to stop. What are you, Jesus, come on, man. What are you talking about? Who touched you? No, somebody touched me. Because he acknowledged, ooh, power flowed through my physical body. Somebody just got restored right now. Who, who did that? Jesus knew who did it. Says his eyes. See, he knows who did it. He's just taking the moment to pause and teach. Okay, somebody just got healed, and I'm going to train everybody around on what to expect from God by faith. So the woman gets healed, and she's scared to speak up and to reveal herself in front of the religious people, but also to Jesus because of her shame that's been spinning in cycles for 12 years, because of her reputation with the expectation of being rejected by holy people, and the tendency to be pushed out of any crowd because of her uncleanliness, and then knowing that this miraculous miracle would just work for her, that he might take it back. But the reason why he steps out and says, no, 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 listen, I want you to listen. This is a teaching moment. Is because I want to inform you, woman, that you did nothing wrong. You cannot steal a healing from me because it wasn't even your faith necessarily that made you well as much as, I know that's what the Bible says, but as much as it was my will. You have to understand something is that your faith is not like, well, I have faith, so abracadabra. We, We have to understand that. That's not what faith is. Faith postures us before God knowing that he wants to heal me, that he can heal me, that he will heal me, that he wants to heal me, and he does. It doesn't matter how much you believe, how little you believe, you have no power within yourself to heal yourself. Faith cannot be generated, manufactured, worked up, excited. You can't, well, I'm going to die faith now. 
But we need to know the difference between belief and faith. Belief and faith are not the same thing. I can believe for something I don't have faith for. Because I can generate belief within myself. Well, I can review the records. I can look at the science. I can think about it long enough. And I can come to a conclusion that this is what I believe. But in order to receive faith, there's only one place to get it from. <laughs> We're learning as we close here. There's only one place to get faith, and that's not from you. There's only one place to receive faith, and that's from him. Because the Bible says that faith is a gift, and it's a fruit. And you ain't going to get no fruit unless you're abiding in the spirit with him where he can get it to you. Or you stand before him and you ask him for it. And he says, here you go. There's faith. Listen, that should take some of the performance off right now, some of the pressure off. Well, I would see more things, but I just don't have enough faith. Listen, go to Jesus. He's got enough for you. Jesus can have more faith. He wants to give you more. This is my second point, and I told you I didn't have points, but he's trying to show her, look, this is not magic. I'm not, I don't have like a mystical robe. <laughs> oh, let me, let me just talk to Pentecostals while we're closing. We get so superstitious about faith. Well, I got to blow this ram's horn in my backyard at 5.55 a.m. I'm going to take five shots of communion. I'm going to spin around five times. I'm going to do five tablespoons of salt. Y'all didn't grow up like I grew up. I can tell right now. I'm going to do five laps with the Wesson around the house. Cooking oil. That's that cooking oil. One more. Oh, that's only four. Fifth lap. Four corners. I'm going to add a fifth because five is the number of grace. I'm going to anoint myself five. Listen. According to your faith, so be it unto you. But what Jesus was trying to say is, look, this ain't magic. This is personal. It's not superstition. It's my goodwill. There's nothing magical about my robe. It's about the man that's wearing the robe. <laughs> Ain't nothing magical about the church. It's about the man who lives here in the church. Ain't nothing magical about the paper and the ink. What's powerful is the person who wrote it. See, we, we, we get into this phase where everything's like impersonal. It's all formulaic. It's all steps. It's all, it's all religion. It's just packaged differently. And Jesus said, listen, this ain't religion. This ain't superstition. This ain't magic. This is personal. I don't have mystical garments. I want to heal you. It is my will to heal you. Therefore, I heal you, and I give you the faith to be healed. She did have faith to be healed, but who gave it to her? He did. How did he get it into her? She had heard the stories. See, you don't underestimate the power of your testimony. Because it's your testimony that, that can be the seed that gets sown into somebody's soul. I have heard. See, that's the open door where Jesus starts to step in and deposit faith. I have heard about Jesus. And she heard about it enough where the Bible then says, and she kept on saying. 
If I just get to Jesus and touch the hem of his garment, then I will be healed. Faith. Jesus imparted it, and he said, your faith has healed you. And here's the last reason why he wanted to make it public, and that's because he wanted to declare to everybody, she no longer has to hide. See, you may have been accustomed to living in secret for so long that you don't even want to be known anymore. And there is God saying, no, no, listen, you've got an assignment. You've got a purpose. You've got a call. You've got a message. You've got a story. You've got a testimony. You've got a gift. You've got faith. You've got understanding. You've got knowledge. You've got wisdom. You've got love. You've got a gift. I'm in you. You ain't hiding no more. My daughter. Deal with that, religious devils. My daughter. Deal with that, everybody who has rejected her. My daughter. Deal with that, everybody who's tried to identify her according to her labels. She ain't unclean no more. I'm not unclean because she touched me and I'm holy. She's now holy because she touched me and I'm clean. And so she could get up out of the dirt Wipe off the tears of her desperation and say, he touched me. My position of desperation enabled me for a touch from Jesus, the only answer to my problems, to my conditions, to my ailments, to my frailty, to my worry, to my identity issues and confusion, to all of my problems. It's just Jesus. <laughs> At the end of it all, he's the only help for you. That's it. I don't know about you, but I want to have desperation for him. Anybody else? Listen, I don't always like what it takes to put me in a place of desperation. But when I touch Jesus, the costs are no longer worthy of consideration because of what you get in return. I know it's a scary prayer to say, shake everything that can be shaken. Hold on, wait, leave that, though. Shake everything that can, nope, I need that money. Shake everything that can, no, I need that reputation. Shake everything, no, 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 not that, God. I said shake everything, but in the shaking, can you leave some stuff alone? And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm gonna answer those scary prayers. I'm gonna shake everything that ain't me. God. I'm desperate. What I built my life on has now disappeared. I'm desperate. But when you get him in return, you can look back on it and say, thank God. Thank God. That was nothing more than a house on the sand. But you know, a house on the sand is a beach house. And it's appealing but it's not strong. It's sexy, but it's not stable. It's culturally attractive, but it has no ability to withstand storms. So we build on Jesus. <laughs> it's not always beautiful, but he is. Life ain't always put together, but he is. He is the rock on which I stand, my firm foundation. Thank you for tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. 
If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, make sure you log into the store and give us a good review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Join us again next week for another powerful word.